0: Well, hello everybody, and happy New Year again. Uh, if we haven't had a chance to meet before, my name is Joe. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace. And uh, anybody else, kind of feel like they're in a fog a little bit. Uh, like, man, December is like crazy. At least at our house, like. It doesn't matter what we try to put together or what we try to ignore or prioritize. It just seems like December comes at us hard when it comes to like trying to focus on the right things and trying to make sure that we're seeing the right amount of people. And you get that gift for that one person and you're nervous that they're gonna hate you forever after they open it, you know? It's just like all of December is bottled up. And then of course for us, like my daughter's birthday's in December. So how do you celebrate a birthday in the middle of December? Some of you resonate that and make sure that doesn't get overshadowed by this other holiday that we celebrate in December. Uh, and then we had 14 Christmas services here at Grace, which was awesome. And it was so good to be with everybody. And you say Merry Christmas like 8,400 times in a row. And it's just like fantastic. And then all of a sudden you're just like, where did the time go? And like, I found myself all week realizing that I actually kind of feel a little bit like this over Christmas time. I just want to kind of show you, cause I think this will help you understand where I'm at. So, you know, for the first part of December, I'm feeling pretty festive. Uh, Honestly, December 1st through the 26th, on that whole f- first three and a half weeks, all the way through Christmas, like I'm finding unique uh, Christmas playlists, right? Like, and so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm watching or I'm listening to like, the Home Alone soundtrack that became one of my favorite ones this year, just all that uh, instrumental background. I'm feeling festive, it was great. And then man, the 26th happens and it's like, life just crashes and all of a sudden I feel confused, full of cheese and unsure of the day of the week. Uh, that's pretty much how I felt this whole last week. Uh, I'm like, literally, my wife, I had to ask her, like, wait, what's today? Like, I could not, I was in such a fog this week, like, something about this week, and now that it's like, new year has occurred, like, now it is 2022, honestly, now how I feel, it's just fat, Uh, like, it's just kind of how uh, things happen after the holiday season and so like that's kind of how this plays out but in all seriousness like this tends to be the time of year that many of us like try to write down goals and we try to accomplish things and do things and get better at things and maybe shed a few pounds or get some gains you know or or maybe we want to do better at work or may- whatever it is like this is the time of the year that a lot of us try to think that stuff and honestly that kind of piles into the craziness of december cuz december's already crazy and then if January comes, you kind of feel guilty if you don't have your goals figured out and you're like, well, gosh, New Year's resolution, but I mean, the ball already dropped and I'm not really sure. Did I already miss the opportunity to do something this year? Like, we'll start thinking those ways already. You know, it's like, gosh, you know, the year's already over. You know, here we are at the beginning of January and I don't have my life together so I guess I'm just giving up and it's like, man, how does this work? And then you meet people, man, these people make me angry. They actually like, achieve their goals like what is that about they're like man like I want to do this this year and then they do it like, who does this stuff right they're always the ones like have you checked out my new project management software like it has all my to-do lists right here and my I'm like come on you know they got it all figured out you know they're like I read 24 books in 2022 this year I'm hoping to read 52 and it's like slow down, man. I don't know who you are, but like, my goodness. Or then there's folks, and maybe you're like this, but you're probably not. Uh, but there's folks that like know how to help you achieve your goals. Like, they're like, I don't know how, but they know how to help you achieve your goals. And they're like, you know, you got to just watch those calories because you can't the fork. Am I right? You know, and you're like, shut you know, like, And it's just, but we all are thinking somehow in these ways. And I'm kidding. A lot of those things are absolutely great. And if I'm being completely honest, I'm even wired that way a little bit. I try to figure out some of that stuff and I always have some type of a task list ahead of me. And some of us, you ever feel like a little bit behind the eight ball and so you like make a list and the first thing on the list says make a list just so you can check something off right away? You're like, look how productive I'm being. I made a list. And, um, and then you put the rest of it away in the trash because let's not worry about those other items. But uh, that's kind of how I, for a lot of us the beginning of the year feels The whirlwind of the end of the year is over. We're trying to catch our breath a little bit, and then we're trying to be better versions of ourselves moving into the next year. And we might be all asking, what do we want 2022 to look like? How do I make a better version of myself? How do I do that? Well, I've noticed and I have found... That one of the most motivating things, one of the best motivations that can come uh, when we're trying to change something, do something, achieve something, is by answering the question, why? Why do we want to do that thing? Because the motivation of why changes everything, Right? So, for instance, uh, I had a friend reach out to me in December. They wanted to go see the new Spider Man movie. And uh, they had asked some of their better friends. I wasn't that high on their list, apparently. Uh, but they had asked some of their better friends. And those friends were like, I mean, I guess, if you want to go see it. And she was like, No, 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 no. This is my sister in law. She was like, No, 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 no. That was not the energy I was expecting when I said, Do you want to go see the new Spider Man? So, knowing that I'm full on Marvel superhero nerd, she's like, "Will you and bring maybe bring some of your superhero nerd like make this exciting. I want to go see this movie. And so we did. And so like she knew that the motivation to go see the movie changed everything. You could have obligated friends who are like, I guess, or you could have full out nerd friends who are like, yes, I'll see you the second time. Let's go. Right? And that's a whole different shebang. Or for instance If you or someone you know uh, happens to eat a vegan lifestyle, right? You're like, why? Some of us are like, why would you do that, right? But then if you find out why they do it, for instance, like maybe they're treating a crazy disease that they got going on and they're trying to do it for health reasons. You're like, oh, that makes total sense. Like that that makes all the sense in the world. There's other reasons for it too. Or maybe it's something like uh, you quit your job and you're like, you quit your job. Why did you quit your job? And you're not allowed to leave here, right? And say like, Pastor Joe told me I should quit my job my job. That is not the point right now, but uh, maybe you quit your job, but then all of a sudden it's like, oh, like you got better pay or you got better purpose or you got something like that. That makes total sense as to why you would shift from this to this. And so something that can seem a little out of the ordinary at first, once you see yourself put it into the context of now I understand why, it'll motivate us to do things. Sometimes it'll even motivate us to do things that we don't want to do and will happily do them. Like some of you like eat raw vegetables all the time, right? Like that's Ridiculous! Like, why would you do that? But you're like, oh, this is why. You're like, okay, I guess it's healthy and all that kind of stuff. That's what they say. Like, and so you, you eat those vegetables on purpose. Like, you didn't like them at one point in time in your life. Even if you lie to yourself now and you're like, oh, I love raw vegetables. Like, you never, you. no one sticks raw broccoli in their mouth the first time and go, this is delicious. Like, no one does that, right? But eventually you acquire your taste, okay? Like, or you acquire a lack thereof, am I right? So when it comes to those things, we're willing to step in into, maybe something we don't even want to do because the why motivates us, right? All of a sudden we're like, I understand why this could be healthy. I understand why this could be good. I understand why someone would want to do this. And I will now step into those actions or those behaviors of why we would do those things. Now, my assumption is that if you're in earshot of this, so whether you're in the room right now, whether you're watching with us online, whether you're over at Montrose, how's it going? Uh, No matter where you're at, my, my guess is you'd like to be at least a little bit closer to God in 2022, right? Like that's one of the reasons you're in earshot of this. You want to grow closer to Jesus, or you want to explore what God might have for you, or how he might be able to change your life, or how to discover something about our creator or savior, or whatever it might be, we want more of that. Well, we've been taking a look really ever since last fall, specifically at kind of like the early stages of what Jesus did while he was here on this earth. So our last few series before Christmas and then even through Christmas, uh, we've been talking about like how did Jesus interact in these early days and get things moving. And then starting next weekend, we'll be kicking into a new series called How It Started, How It's Going. Kind of looking at ways in which Jesus really got things initiated, but then saying like, well, what does that mean for us? What was the intentionality that Jesus had at those moments in those times? And how does that become applicable to us in 2022? Well, we wanted to kind of pause right in the middle of it. So let's just take a week and let's answer the question, why did it start? Why why did God do this? Why did God send Jesus in the first place? What was it that motivated God to kind of kick into this whole plan? And so many of us might have opinions or thoughts or answers about that. But my guess is again, as many people are hearing this, we'd get variations of that answer. And so we're going to want to dial in and answer those questions. Why did Jesus come? What was the purpose for himself and for us? And so we're going to take a look specifically at three things this weekend. One, what is this purpose that Jesus brings, that Jesus has for why he came and did all of these things? Secondly, I want to show you three perspectives of that purpose and then kind of how they lean toward either a blind spot or a strength. And we'll talk about that more, but we're going to kind of like open up like, okay, if Jesus wants to do this, how does that potentially still allow us to take different pathways with it? And then we're going to just straight up look ahead at 2022 and say, how does this impact us? What can we do about it? Well, the good thing is when it comes to asking the question, why did Jesus come? What's the overarching Purpose as to why God sent him, Jesus actually answers it pretty clearly. Now I want to pause for a second. We're purposefully going to jump around to a bunch of different passages in the New Testament tonight. We're going to focus kind of right where we are and kind of the trajectory of where Jesus has been. He answers it very clearly, but then we're going to look at some different places where Jesus talked very succinctly about this purpose. So if you want to follow along in the with your Bible, there are some in the chairs there in front of you. Uh, like I said, we're going to be flipping around a little bit, or you can follow along in our app, uh, or you can do it on your Bible app as well, and so take a look. We're going to kick off, though, in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, and so uh, this is where Jesus is being very clear, he's being very definitive on why he came, and it says this, Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because this is why I was sent. Okay, he's very clear. This is why I was sent. Well, what is this? I must proclaim the good news. Well, the good news of what? The kingdom of God. I have to talk about, I have to show other people the kingdom of God. Well, if we're tracking with Jesus here, whatever this kingdom is, we might not fully understand that concept, right? It's going to be good news. Like Jesus is making sure we understand right away that this thing that I came to do, the very reason I was sent, the thing that I want to share with you is good, right? It is excellent. It is good news. When you discover why I came, what I come to bear, what I fulfill, it's going to be good news. And this is a big deal to Jesus. The kingdom of God, or in some places in, your, uh, in the Gospels, it's also known as the kingdom of heaven. Uh, those are just different ways to talk about the same concept. Uh, he talks about it 126 times in the Gospel accounts alone. Like this is the overarching message of what Jesus is trying to get across. What does that look like? Now, kingdom is a confusing word for a lot of us. Right? Like, we don't use king and kingdom very often in our vernacular, or certainly in our government structure. Uh, we don't do that. And even in places around the world where there are still kings, like, it's not the same way, it's not the same mindset that it would have been millennia ago. And so, what is this concept of kingdom? And is there an interchangeable word? Well, not really. Uh, kingdom actually is the right word. It is the right concept. It's just a little bit hard to understand because we don't u- we're not used to aligning ourselves that way and thinking that way. But there are questions, right? Like, does he mean that like God has a castle and there's a moat around God's castle and there's a drawbridge and there's like knights and there's all these different things? Like, is that what we're talking about? That Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God and there's penance and all that? Like, what is all of that? Or is it something different? And those are the passages that we're going to dive into tonight. But before we dive into those, I I heard this definition, and I I thought this might be just helpful, Um, not as like the definition of kingdom, but just to kind of set our stage tonight. Like, I think if we think about where God's redemption is embraced and his ways are played out, we're thinking about the kingdom of God. We're thinking about the kingdom of heaven. So, just to kind of like tip the hat a little bit, if we start to see God's reconciliation plan for people to be redeemed and brought back to God Himself, to be brought back into that right place, that right relationship, and honestly, that right state of creation, if we can be brought back to that, and then we see the ways of God played out in our relationships and in our lives, when that starts to happen, whether it's a micro level or a macro level, that is a glimpse of the kingdom of God, and that's what we're going to find tonight. Now, a few hints that you might see when that happens, you're going to see things like um, light being brought to places of darkness, places where there was evil or uh, hatred or oppression, suddenly something changes that dynamic, that light is brought into those dark places, or that order is brought to chaos, or that lives just simply are being changed, and that the trajectory of people's lives are being altered and brought to life and brought to health. The kingdom of God is going to bring those things to bear. Now, I observed as I was kind of prepping for all this and reading through this and diving into a bunch of Jesus's teachings about this, I feel like I'm seeing three key perspectives of the kingdom of God that start to show up in our lives, that start to show up as we try to navigate, or even things that we start to emphasize and focus on when we think of the kingdom of God. And as I mentioned before, there's going to be blind spots that are tempting when it comes to these things, things that start to feel almost a little bit unkingdom like even though they're about the kingdom. But then there's gonna be great strengths of them that when we bring those things to bear, we start to see God incredibly clearly. So let me show you what these three perspectives are and then we'll break them down a little bit and help us all kind of grab a hold of it. So the first one is kind of like when we see Jesus in an incredibly personal way. Like Jesus forgives me. Jesus is like really helping me. Jesus is helping me navigate the problems and issues and struggles of my life. He is forgiving me. He is helping me. Jesus forgives me. That's kind of like the first perspective. The second one of the kingdom that we get is where this one's almost kind of institutional. It's almost kind of like lofty in our expectations and hopes of what the kingdom of God can do and bring to bear. And that would be that Jesus shifts power, okay? And that something actually changes in our systems, in our structures as humankind, that something would change. Jesus turns things upside down. He changes, he he shifts power in some way. And then the third one is a little bit along the lines that like, we want to see um, how we together as a community uh, start to find that we're okay in who we are. And that might not make as much sense now, but I think you'll see it later. But this perspective of the kingdom is that, well, Jesus secures my identity, that he helps me understand who I am. He helps me understand why I've been created. He helps me understand uh, that I belong with him. And so those are the three things. These are only three. These are by no means exhaustive. I just see these playing out time and time again in our culture. And I think we're going to see them play out in some of these parables that we're going to dive into here with Jesus. So each one of these perspectives of the kingdom of God are going to help us understand more and more about what God meant about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And they're going to help us understand why that was good news, that Jesus came to proclaim uh, the kingdom of God. But then we're also going to look at that temptation to kind of go down an unkingdom path of like, how do we take this good thing and then be tempted to do something that's not so uh, godly with it? So uh, the first one, let's break this down. Let's go to Jesus forgives me. Um, as I mentioned, we're going to jump around. If you want to flip over to Matthew 18, we'll be there in a minute. But this idea of Jesus forgives me. This is one where it's like all about like what Jesus does in our hearts. This is all about like, man, I, I have sinned. I am, have issues and I need Jesus to do something with me. Or it might even feel a little bit like I have decided to become a Christian. I am no longer checking this box of no religion or checking this box of a different religion. i not going to check the Christian box. I believe that Jesus is God and that's the box I want to get to. And I've allowed myself to believe that. And it's very kind of cerebral or maybe even emotional, but Jesus forgives me. Okay. Now let's take a look at this parable where Jesus is talking in Matthew 18 where he's explaining the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And then the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. Now, many of us are like, man, that is beautiful. I have been in, I am in the shoes of the servant. Will you please forgive me? And like, listen, I want you to hear this. Like I, Joe, I need God's forgiveness. I need him. I'm, I'm not always the best husband or the best father or the best son or the best follower of Jesus or the best friend or the best pastor or the best whatever. I need forgiveness. I do things that I don't want to do. I don't do things that I do want to do. I'm a mess at times. I need the forgiveness. Of my king. I need the forgiveness of my Lord. So this is a beautiful thing that Jesus is illustrating here, that we can go to him and that God would have mercy and pity on us. But Jesus continues and he shows us what this could become. He says, But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed, like or who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. You see, we need this forgiveness We get it when we have a bad day, or we have a confusing day, or we just have a weak day. We're like, God, forgive me. But how many times are we tempted to then go out and interact with other people, and we refuse to acknowledge that maybe they're having a bad day? Maybe they're confused. Maybe they're having a weekday. Maybe they just straight up don't have the grace of the Lord coursing through them. And they need that to be able to navigate some of what they're facing. How many times are we tempted not to give the same grace that we begged for? That we said, God, would you please have mercy on us? And then turn around and refuse to grant that to someone else. You see, there's two perspectives here. If we're thinking on this personal level that the kingdom is about, Jesus forgives me. The kingdom reaction then is to turn and extend compassion and to extend mercy to others. To say, I don't deserve a thing that I have in my life that's good. I certainly don't deserve to be forgiven what I've been forgiven of. And yet Jesus did that and so I want to extend that same compassion to you. I want to show you the kindness and the welcome invitation of Jesus himself to bring you into the family. But the unkingdom temptation is to turn away from ourselves loving people. So instead of us loving others, we turn away from them. You've wronged us, you've hurt us. You've put us in a bad way, you've said some things I can't forgive. You're dead to me. I cancel you. You're done. And maybe some of us wouldn't do that to individuals, but we'll do that with groups of people. You think that way, you're done. You want to do that? I don't want to see you anymore. And we will push people aside and we won't even extend them the same compassion and the same mercy that Jesus shows to us. How good of news is it when Jesus says, my kingdom is compassionate? My kingdom is merciful. My kingdom understands that none y'all are perfect, right? And I'm still bringing you in and allowing you to experience the kingdom and be slowly changed from the inside out so that's no longer a part of who you are. So we might ask ourselves this year, in my life, where do I want to fall in this spectrum? What kingdom am I living under? Well, that second perspective of the kingdom is one where Jesus shifts power. And some of us, we, we think about kind of that geographic location. We think about, well, gosh, like what if Jesus like ran our governments? What if we actually lived with each other the way that God would want us to? What if we could build those structures and those policies and those governments? What if we could do a holy takeover and suddenly we are completely run by Christian principles. What if? And Jesus' disciples, they, they wanted this. Some of you might desperately want this. It's, a, it's almost a shift in political power. And, and we started asking, like, Jesus, didn't you mean to overthrow the empire? Didn't you mean, right, to start some type of Christian republic or some type of Christian rebellion or some type of Christ- Christian democracy or something, right? And we want to see those systematic or institutional shifts. And we want Jesus to turn things upside down so that the ways of humankind are done with and we can live the way that Jesus wants us to live. And that can be something that we would fight for. But let's take a look at this parable. And by the way, this is probably not a parable you would think of. I wasn't thinking of it, but I was very drawn to it as we were reading. Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. As I mentioned, that's a weird parable. What are you reading that for, Joseph? Well, let me tell you. This really stuck out to me because we have nothing to do with like growth There's actually even another place in the scripture Even though all of us would know this If you farm or if you're growing something Or if you have a little pot in your kitchen right, And you try to grow something You put the seed in, you water it And then somehow A plant comes out of that little Circle-y, oval-y thing that's in there And a plant grows, and sometimes that plant becomes huge. Like sunflowers are such a conundrum, right? I mean, tiny little thing, and then boom, right? Like huge flower. How does that happen? You didn't do it. You didn't sit there and like make it grow. You didn't do anything like that. All you did, put the seed in dirt, and then put water on it, put it in sunlight, and then something miraculous that we're just all used to happened, Well, God did that, his time, his way. We didn't make it happen, he did. And we think about any type of institutional change and shift that we wish we could see in our time, in our culture, in our government. A lot of times we wanna almost like yell at the plant, grow, move, get going. If only this thing would grow faster. If only this thing would be green. Maybe I can give it one milliliter less of water. Maybe that. And we just fight that plant. We fight that institutional thing. And we yell at it. And we want it to be different. And we want it to change. But you see, God develops things in His time. And in this fallen world, his purposes are bigger than making things just work out the way we wish they worked out. His purposes are bigger than our local government squabbles. His purposes are bigger than something that's happening on the national level. His purposes are bigger than what's happening on the worldwide level right now. Sometimes, you know, my, my daughter, <laughs> I, I love her, and she's, she prays this prayer almost every night. She'll say something like, God, just, I really want to have a good day tomorrow. Like, almost like every night. Like, just, I want to have a good, and I want to have a good day too. I mean, I really do. I want to have a great day tomorrow. Today was great. I want day, tomorrow to be greater, right? But maybe tomorrow needs to be a bad day. Like, what if mom and dad know Well, honey, tomorrow we're like working in the lawn in the rain. It's going to be terrible, but that's what we got to do tomorrow. Like tomorrow's going to be gross, but we got to do it. What if God needs you to have a bad day tomorrow? What if God needs us to have a bad decade right now? What if his purposes are bigger than what we can see? What if his ways were different than our ways? What if it's his timing and see, we, we want to fight for this shift in power, but I don't, I don't think that's what we're called to do. Now, his kingdom shifts things. But we can't start in the reverse order. If we want to fix the world, if we want to fix our country, if we want to fix our culture, if we want to fix, you fill in the blank. We don't do it by fixing the universe. We do it by loving our neighbor. We do it by actually living a kingdom lifestyle and showing them compassion and mercy when maybe the world wants to shove them in a box and not listen to them ever again. We show up and we bring light to someone's darkness and we help them through the tough time. We, we walk them through their worst moments and their valleys and we help them regain their footing and we show them the grace of God. We, we show up And we plant the seeds that we can plant. And we put things in the light that we can put into the light. And we water what we can water. We don't just yell at vegetation. That's God's problem. You see, Jesus, yes, he shifts power, but I fully believe that the kingdom reaction to that is that simply we're called to live differently. If we wanna see things change, we have to do that at the personal level. The people that we have influence with. If you're a parent, the people that you parent. If you have parents, the people that you're taking care of and, and trying to help navigate their next part of life, no matter how young you might be at the moment, you're trying to love them. And you're trying to influence them and encourage them. Your siblings, your neighbors, your roommate. How do we help them? See how different and wonderful and how much good news Jesus came to bear. How can we shed light in those moments? Because there's an unkingdom temptation, which is kind of this everything must go mentality. I'm done with them. I'm done with them. They made me mad. They're out. I'm done. They're not being invited over ever again. There's no way I could talk to someone that thinks that way, believes that thing. That's, that's the temptation, because we'll see Jesus shifts things. See, Jesus is all about upending and turning things upside down, so I'm, I'm doing my part. That's not what Jesus calls us to do. Matter of fact, one of my favorite examples is Peter. He's one of the closest to Jesus ever, Jesus is being arrested for nothing. Jesus, or excuse me, Peter draws a sword and cuts a guard's ear off. And Jesus stops him and says, no, we're not fighting the power. And he heals that ear and then leads down a much bigger purpose that Peter did not have the perspective to see it's almost like Peter couldn't see the breadth of God's ways. And I wonder if many times we can't see the breadth of God's ways either, but we trust him and we live differently and we love and we show compassion and we shed light on and we do the things that Christ shows us and calls us to do. If we want God to change us and we want him to use us to shed light for others, then we have to realize that we don't change people. Some of you need to hear that again. I need to hear it again, so I'm gonna say it again. We don't change people. If you're on social media, I mean, when's the last time you read an opposing view of anything? You're like, you know, that's a good point. We don't think that way. like, this moron. I didn't know they thought that. I guess I'm not as close to friends with them as I thought. I mean, we're so tempted to separate ourselves instead of living in that light and love and compassion. God changes hearts. So this year, in our lives, where do I fall on that spectrum? And what kingdom am I living under? The third perspective uh, that we might have of the kingdom of God is that Jesus secures my identity. Now, it seems like no matter how far we go back in history, there's this concept of we want to do things our way, my way. So whether you think all the way back to Frank Sinatra, or you think about Burger King, or you think about the Backstreet Boys, or uh, maybe just simply living your best life, like, we're often striving to say I want to do things my way we might even say things like man if people would just do things the way that I would do them the world would be a better place I think that way if you would do everything but how you eat the way I do it you'd be better off right like it would be so much better We think that way. You should live my way. This is what I want. This is what I desire. This is my preference. And that could be everything from our lifestyles to our money choices, to our food choices, to how we want to enjoy sexual satisfaction, how we want to find life's fulfillment. We want to do it our way. And whatever we think, we tend to say that's the right way because it's our way. And the temptation is to look at Jesus and say, maybe... Jesus created me this way and therefore, since he loves me and God loves me, that everything I want must be okay. Let's take a look at this parable in Matthew 13. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Neither of these Jesus doesn't say that the guy with the field or the guy with the pearl went and sold everything that was bad in their life to get the treasure or to get the pearl. He doesn't say, oh, they walked away from everything that they knew they should have been walking away from in the first place, but they finally found a reason to do it, so now they did it. They sold everything. Sometimes what you're being asked to let go of, you might think it's a good thing. And what Jesus is saying, what he's demonstrating and what he has demonstrated is that the kingdom of God is, is way better than anything you're holding on to. Anything. Anything. You see, the kingdom of God trumps everything. It's better than everything. It outweighs everything. It outshines everything. It outsatisfies everything. And so maybe it's your health choices and you're like, I just can't give up. The Chick-fil-A drive-thru. I just can't give up those pizza nights. I just can't give up working out four hours a day because this thing's got to look good. I just can't give up making sure that people think I'm one of the most attractive beings on this planet. I just can't. That is, I have to do it and it's healthy. So obviously God wants me to do it. I just can't possibly understand. I mean, like I have worked hard there is no way that God would want me to give up this house. There's, I mean, look at it. it's beautiful. We dreamt about it. I've worked hard for it. This is where I want to be. There's no way that God, who has rewarded me for my good behavior with this place to live, could ever ask me to move away from it and to sell it. There's no way that God would want to walk me to walk away from this job. I mean, yeah, I have to work at least 60 hours a week and, you know, I'm always on call and this, that, and the other, but I mean, like, do you see what it provides? Do you see how this works? Do you see? There's no way that God would want to do that because he understands what I need or what my family needs or what my friends need or how I'm wired. This is just, I've got, there's no way God could ever ask me to walk away from that lifestyle. There's no way that God would tell me that these natural inclinations that I have inside of me for attraction or for my sexuality, there's no way. He wants me to be fulfilled. He wants me to be happy. There's no way God would ask me to give something up that I like, that makes me happy. There's no way that God could ask that of me, right? And see, whether these things are good or bad, for this moment in the conversation, that doesn't matter because Jesus is telling us that the kingdom of God is like a treasure that's hidden in a field. That when the man found it, he re hid it and with joy went and sold everything because that treasure was so worth it. The kingdom of God is better than everything anything you're holding on to. Anything. But it satisfies me. It makes me happy. This is better. But you don't understand. This is my comfort. His is better. You don't understand. It doesn't matter because his ways are different than our ways and his is better. You see, the kingdom reaction when Jesus is securing our identity is that we find eternal belonging. We find something that has eternal value. We find something where we finally have a place. We find something where he finally brings us in to being his son, to being his daughter, where now we're family with the king, that his riches, his inheritance, his ways of life, his status is now bestowed upon us because we're a part of his kingdom. It's eternal belonging but these are my friends, let me show you, I know, I, I know. But if they're dragging you down a pathway that's away from Jesus, this is better. No matter how much we love something, I promise, God promises that what he has is better. This is totally the cliche of the monkey with his hand in the jar and he grabs the banana and he can't get the banana out of the jar. And over here is freedom and a banana tree and everything that he needs. But he's holding on to what he wants. He says, but I got what I want right here. Yeah, but you can't go anywhere and you can't even get the banana fully. Yeah, but it's right here and I'm not letting go. And Jesus is saying, let go of that. Sell everything you have, I promise you. Kingdom is better we have an opportunity in front of us to find everything that Jesus is laying out in front of us but the unkingdom temptation is that it's my identity it's my way and Jesus is cool with it because Jesus loves me because, well, God made me like this and these are my strengths and these are my weaknesses and he knows that I I can't do it. He knows I need to work hard in my life. He knows that money's important to me. He knows that my sexual attraction, he knows, just fill in your blank. Anything that you're refusing, you know that you're like, I don't want to give this up and give it to God. Whatever that is, What we're trying to tell ourselves is well, Jesus is cool with it. My addictions aren't hurting anybody else. Jesus loves me, he forgives me, I'm good. There's no way, the only person that knows that I treat that person like that is that person. And they're okay with it, it's okay that I'm demeaning them. It's He's not okay. And sometimes it can, again, it can even be a good thing. Jesus is saying the treasure, the kingdom is better. So this year, in my life, where do I want to fall? What kingdom do I want to be under? So we just look ahead to 2022 where do I want to find myself? What type of kingdom life do I want to be living? I think some some convergence of all these things that Jesus talks about is what we need to continue to pray for. Somehow, God, will you help me be a compassionate person? And that when I remember how much you've forgiven me, that I would show that same mercy to others. That same awe that I have for what you are doing in my life, will you help me perpetuate that with other people? Will you show me the different way of life, that I could respond to things in a godly way, that I wouldn't just bark my opinions, but instead I would show up somewhere and continue to love people and plant those seeds and water the soil? And would you show me that I belong in your family and that whatever I have to give up is so worth it, no matter what it is. Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. That is why I was sent. I must tell people that the way of life That embraces God, that embraces His redemption, that embraces His ways, that is where life is found. That is where life change is at. That is where everything that you're longing for from the inside out is found. That's why Jesus was sent. That's why we do what we do, to perpetuate that, to perpetuate His kingdom. And so what do we do with that in 2022 how do we make that a thing how do we how do we do all how do we make the kingdom happen well thankfully Jesus gives us a pretty clear answer on that too and in matthew 633 he says seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well Jesus but but I like this, I feel satisfied over here. Seek me first, you'll find satisfaction. But I, I feel like I, I belong here, I feel like people like me here, I feel like I have friends here. Seek me first, you'll have the belonging that you need. But Jesus, I, this is where I get my satisfaction, this is where my dopamine is released, this is where my mind, my body finds joy and pleasure Seek me first and all these things will be added to you as well. Seek him, seek him. I wonder if this year could be less about hitting the numbers at work or hitting numbers on a scale or hitting numbers in the gym or whatever it might be, of course, they're not all numbers. I wonder instead if we could ask, how do I seek God this year? How can I trust more and more that running after the treasure is worth maybe even forsaking anything and everything else in my life if it comes to that? What if God wanted to bring you into a deeper sense of satisfaction than you've ever experienced? What if God wanted to show you compassion on a scale that you've never experienced before because you're extending it to others like you've never done before? What if he wants to show you you belong, that you're home with him, And what if he wants to use you to help others start to see that and maybe that slowly but incredibly surely starts to change and shift the way people live and what they live for. Why did it get all started? I think in part to help us realize it's not really much about us. It's about how we get to be a part of his kingdom it's not about fixing us it's about us finally being a part of what God's trying to do in the first place and finding ourselves more fully and more greatly there than anywhere else we could find ourselves I think God wants to help us find something beyond our initial desires something that's greater, something that's eternal. And when we see that happen, we find something that's worthy of God, the king and his kingdom. That's what I want to live for this year. Maybe we can help each other do that. As we pray together, I realize that this is probably hitting us all as uniquely as there are people listening to this because God does see you as an individual and he does see exactly where you're at and he does see what you're going through and he does see what you might have to give up he sees all of that and he knows and his promises still ring true and he is there saying come let me show you what the kingdom is like before the band comes out will you pray with me Jesus, thank you for making this aspect uh, as unique as this understanding might be. You've made it very clear. You're helping us to understand that the kingdom of God is what we're to live for. Seeking you, understanding that you are the prize of life being connected with our Savior, connected with our Creator, finding the life change and the life and the satisfaction that we all long for. And no matter where we have found glimpses of it before, you are infinitely better. Lord, help us not only to trust you this year, but to seek you, to run after you, and to find you. It's your name we pray, Jesus.